Hey, folks, I'm Tennessee Brando. You're listening to If These Hills Could Talk. Thank you so much for tuning in wherever you're listening. Uh, I know what a lot of you are thinking right now. You're thinking, wow, we're getting two episodes pretty close together. That's unusual. Uh, Well, I tell you what, I'm getting a little bit better at getting myself together these days. I know in the past there's been times where I went weeks in between episodes, and I apologize for that. But uh, these days, um, I've been laying the hammer down and staying busy and staying productive. Um, My social media presence has quadrupled over the last month, uh, which has kind of forced me to be more active and forced me to be more uh, on top of things. And so I thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, I know we have a lot of newcomers here on the show, so I do want to cover a few things before we get rolling. Um, First of all, this is an amateur podcast. I don't have any editors, don't have a theme song, don't have nothing. Um, I'm just a guy talking into his telephone. Uh, but what we started off doing here was having this be a place where people from Appalachia and this part of the world, blue dots and red states could, uh, could come and hear ideas that we, uh, believe in and, uh, are passionate about. And, you know, if these hills could talk and the blue dots could speak, well, this is what we would say. Uh, when I first started doing this podcast, one of the things that I did that became pretty popular with listeners early on was I would take uh, books or stories from the King James Bible and I would read them and break them down uh, and interpret them the way that I read them, which was pretty much literal. I'll, I'll be honest with you, a lot of times I'm reading it in a literal sense. I don't buy into the idea that we have to read it with a spiritual mind. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and tell you a quick story. Uh, I've probably told this on the podcast before, but I, again, I know we have a lot of new listeners. So uh, back when I was uh, a kid, probably, I don't know, 10, 11 years old, somewhere through there, I was actually kicked out of Sunday school class uh, in the Pentecostal church. I was removed from Sunday school class, permanently removed, uh, canceled at a young age <laughs> for asking too many questions. Uh, the teacher, in all fairness, the teacher would say, any questions? And Brando had plenty. But my questions rocked the boat. And uh, they rocked the boat to the point that the Sunday school teacher finally said, uh, I'm going to have to have a talk with your mother and the, and the minister. So he gathered me with the minister and my mom, and he said, you know, he said, uh, Brandon's a really smart kid, uh, and he, he really, uh, you know, loves reading and studying the Bible, but he's got a lot of, uh, you know, controversial questions, and it's confusing a lot of the other children, and I'm actually losing control of the classroom when he starts asking his questions. Uh, so the minister speaks up and says, well, uh, you know, maybe Brandon's a little bit more advanced uh, than the rest of the kids. And maybe he doesn't need to be back there with them coloring uh, pictures of Noah's Ark. You know, uh, maybe he needs to be out here. Maybe I need to get him out here where I can work on him. And I'll never forget that. Maybe I can get him out here where I can work on him. Looking back at that now as a grown man at the time, as a kid being groomed, by the way, for those of you that want to talk about grooming of children, I was being groomed. And he was saying out loud that he was going to groom me. He was saying out loud that he was going to... Um, to work on me and, and, and help me to change my mind. Because if I was asking controversial questions, then, you know, he would have to take control of the situation. Um, and I'll tell you guys, uh, some of the questions I ask, I don't think were unfair. Uh, I'm sure there are questions. A lot of my listeners have uh, asked before. Um, one of them was very simple. Uh, the, the Sunday school teacher said the only way for anyone that has ever lived on this earth to get to heaven would be through, Accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And if you didn't accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you couldn't make it. So when it came time for questions, I said, well, what about people that never heard of Jesus? Oh, well, they've heard of him. Well, not everybody. I mean, not everybody in every corner of the world. Um, you know, oh, yeah, they have. And I'm like, well, what about people that like Native Americans, for example, that were over here and Jesus was over there? Oh, well, I'm sure they knew him. 
How? You know, America hadn't even been discovered yet. And I just kept pushing those buttons, asking what I thought was a fair question. And he finally comes around to saying, well, you know, Brandon, I'm sure Jesus made a way for them to know about him. Uh, you know, they have a comeback for everything. But, you know, and, and I also posed the question, which I covered in a previous episode, I posed the question about uh, Judas. And if Jesus actually tells Judas to go betray me, then how is it actually a stab in the back kind of move? Uh, questions like that rocked the boat and it got me removed from Sunday school. And now I'm out front listening to a holy rolling, fire breathing Pentecostal preacher who spoke in tongues and ran up and down the aisles and would literally jump up and walk on the backs of the pews um, while he was speaking in tongues and never miss a beat, lay hands on people like Benny Hinn and knock them on the floor. So I sometimes said to myself, maybe I should have just kept my mouth shut and sit back there and colored Joseph in his coat of many colors. Instead, you know, I rocked the boat and I got put out in that clusterfuck and that really messes with your head. But um, so anyway, I, when we started this podcast, I sat down and I broke down books and I just examined them from a literal sense because I don't believe in this concept that you have to read it with a spiritual mind. When they say read something with a spiritual mind, what they're saying is let me manipulate this into what I believe it says and then you repeat after me. That's what they're saying. And, they, and, the, and the, I remember the Sunday school teachers and kids saying, Brandon, you're thinking with, it was, I, I hadn't dropped the end just yet. I was still Brandon back then. <laughs> Although my grandmother called me Brando my entire life. But uh, the, the Sunday school teachers like, you're thinking with a carnal mind. You're thinking with the flesh. You got to think with the spirit. In other words, you have to accept this bullshit that we're telling you. That's basically what that means when they say that to you. Uh, so, uh, this became a popular, uh, topic here on the show to break down these uh, stories or these passages. And, uh, on the last episode, I said, I was taking requests. I said, if anyone out there wants to hear me talk about something or wants to hear me break down a certain story or passage from the Bible, let me know. So Lisa reached out to me, uh, with this, what we're going to talk about today, which is numbers chapter five. And uh, I want to thank Lisa for bringing this one to my attention. When she first brought it to my attention, I didn't recognize it because I'm, you know, I don't really. The Book of Numbers is one of those books that you really have to kind of dig in and read. It doesn't jump out at you like other ones do, uh, just by its name. You know, if, if if you're reading, you know, the Book of Job, you you know what that's about. If you're reading the Gospels, you know what that's about. Numbers took me a minute, and when I went and uh, read it, I immediately recognized it and thought, yes, this is one of those passages that I've wanted to break down before, but I hadn't got back around to. I probably just let it slip my mind. So thank you so much, Lisa, for bringing this back to my attention. We're going to deep dive into Numbers chapter five today. And thank you so much for, uh, for requesting this one. And again, if anyone has any requests going forward, just let me know. I'll be glad to, uh, to read these stories and, and, and tell you what I think about them. And this isn't 10 year old, uh, Brandon reading them. This is a, a 40, about to be 43 year old, uh, who has had a lot of living, uh, lived through a lot of things. And, you know, the questions I had back then, I still feel were fair. And if there is a God in the sky above us, I believe when I stand before him, I could say with a straight face, I didn't ask any questions that nobody should have been able to answer. In my mind, if they couldn't answer a 10 year old's questions, what good were they? That's how I look at it now. But before we get rolling and, and dive into to, to what chapter five says, I want to read to you something here. From This is from a King James Bible. However, the Bible I'm holding in front of me, uh, that's on the table in front of me at this moment, was uh, gave to me, it belonged to my grandfather on my mother's side, the late great Granville Robbins. And he's the one that taught me how to, you know, he, he taught me a lot about reading the Bible and how to, uh, you know, understand the context of it and where things come from and where things mean things at. Um, he didn't go to church every Sunday. I never saw the guy sober. He was always drinking, always glassy-eyed. 
always cussing, always telling funny jokes, uh, always chewing tobacco, but he knew the Bible better than most of the preachers that I sat under. And when that preacher would scare the living shit out of me, I would go to my grandfather and I would, uh, I would tell him about it. And then he would, you know, come back with his words of wisdom and it just always comforted me. And before we get rolling, I got to tell the story real quick cause I'll forget it. Uh, one time that same preacher that said, I have to work on you. Uh, he preached a real fire breathing sermon on revelation and, uh, scared the shit out of me. I remember him saying how that, you know, there was going to come a time. He said, there's going to come a time that they're going to come into your homes. They're going to take your Bibles away from you. And they're going to take you out of your homes. They're going to force you to accept this mark of the beast. And if you don't accept it, they're going to put a bullet in your head. And I was like, Lord, you know what I mean? It scared the crap out of me. So I go to my grandpa, walk in his room and, uh, he's all glassy eyed and there's some Jack Daniels sitting on his, uh, dresser. And, uh, I tell him about that preacher scaring the ever loving shit out of me. And, uh, he just, he's, now this is an old World War II veteran, you know, born in 1913. He'd lived a hard life. And, uh, I think he was in the army. I think he was in there for like 17 years. I want to say he was in there for a long time. Uh, he, he served a long stint in the army, served in World War II. So I explained to him what the preacher said and how the preacher scared me to death. And he just looks at me real matter of fact and goes, well, son, if I was you, I just wouldn't worry about the end of the world. He said, because they've been preaching that since I was a little boy. He said, they was preaching that since the world started. He said, so uh, I wouldn't worry none about it. He said, back when I uh, was growing up, he said, we had a lot of hard times. Uh, so went through the Great Depression and thought for sure that was the end of the world, but we come on through. He said, then, you know, he said, I went to the war. He said, I got over there in Germany and he said, Hitler was there killing the Jews and ha had the swastika on his arm and everybody was marching in place and he was doing the salute and, uh, he said, I could read my Bible and I could find passages that made sense that it would that Hitler would be the Antichrist, Hitler would be the beast, and this would be the end times. And he said, uh, I survived. I made it through it. I came home. Life went back to, you know, pretty much the way it was. I was just back home, you know, working. He said, then a couple of years later, the Korean War started up and they took my brother. He said, my brother goes to Korea, and while he's over there, I'm reading the book and following what's going on in Korea, and I can find passages that make sense that, you know, the things going on in Korea is the end of time. He said, then coming on up forward, he said, they took some of my nephews to Vietnam. And uh, he said, there was times that I thought, well, this definitely could be the end of the world. He said, then you had all the cults, like, you know, Charles Manson with the X in his head and his, ordering his family to uh, kill a bunch of people. And you had Jim Jones and the Jonestown Massacre. And he said, now, you know, here we are. And we're, at that point, we was having the Iraq War and Saddam Hussein could easily be a candidate. Uh, he said, but here I am and I'm 78 years old. I'm still sitting here. You know, he said, so, um, he said, there are, he said, you can take that book and you can apply it to any time in history and, and make it fit if you really try hard enough. And that just put me at ease. He said, you know, if I was you, I would just live the best life I could and kind of, you know, try to stay right, stay as good as you can. And, <laughs> you know, that was his, that was his advice, but I always thought that was great. Now this, this Bible I'm holding in front of me belonged to him. And my mother bought it for him as a Father's Day or birthday present. I can't remember which one it was. If it was for Father's Day or his birthday. Uh, back when she was a little girl, I was looking at it right before I started the, the record button on this podcast. And it says that it was printed in 1955. Don't necessarily know that my mom bought it in 55, uh, which my, my mom would have been like five years old. So she probably got it a couple of years later. Maybe I don't know exactly. Uh, she doesn't remember the year, but my grandmother took her and they bought him a new Bible for either Father's Day or birthday, whichever one it was. What I've always liked about this Bible is right at the beginning of any of the books, uh, it has an introduction to the book. And I don't know who wrote this, so I'm not going to tell you. Who, I don't know who exactly who I'm pulling this from. It's a King James Bible, but this is printed in here to give you a forward as to the book you're about to read. 
And I think it will help us as we go forward here with breaking down chapter five. Uh, so I'm going to read straight from this and uh, bear with me because I'm, I'm not always the greatest reader, especially when we get into the Bible itself. I don't pronounce every name correctly. Uh, again, it's an amateur podcast, uh, so bear with me on this. But here we go, reading from this part here. It says, The book of Numbers reports two numberings of the people as recorded near the beginning and near the end of the book. These numberings were military consensus taken of all males 20 years old and upward for the purpose of ascertaining the military strength of the various tribes of the nation. The total number included the first census in Sinai, was 603,550. While that was taken 38 years later in the plains of Moab was 601,730. This would indicate a total population of the nation, including men, women, and children, of at least 3 million people. Numbers consist of an account of a 38-year period extending from the breaking up of the encampment of Sinai through the years of wandering in the wilderness to the arrival of the frontiers of Canaan. The record of the last year is nearly three times as long as the record of the preceding 37 years. The emphasis is not misplaced. While curiosity would be gratified with a record of many more incidences connected with the desert experiences, the truly significant events did not for the most part occur during that long, dreary journey. The events related are mainly those which emphasize the fact that it was Jehovah's love, not any power of Moses, which sustained the Israelites through their perilous life in the wilderness. The Masonic character of Numbers is shown in Balaam's, I guess I'm saying that right, prophecy, all the more remarkable of the fact of its coming, not from the lips of a Hebrew prophet, but from a Midianite. So that was the introduction that uh, my grandpa's Bible gave to this book. And uh, now I'm going to reach and get my Bible that I can read from better. They're both King James versions. I don't really, uh, and I, this is going to sound funny, even though I, I break these down in a very literal sense. And, uh, uh, you know, I don't believe the Bible is the word of God. A lot of people ask me that. I don't believe it's the word of God. I believe it's something men wrote and said it was by God. But uh, I still prefer the original King James version. I'm not a fan of the new international versions and the new hip English versions that they got of it. it a lot of the slang in there just, I don't know. It, it, it never made sense to me. But uh, we're going to dive in now and uh, read from Numbers chapter 5, and we're going to start with verse 11. Well, let's back up just a second, because my grandpa always told me to do that. He always said, back up a little bit and uh, read before and after. So let's start, we'll just start at chapter 5. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Command the children of Israel that they put out of the camp every leper and every one that hath an issue and whosoever is defiled by the dead. Both male and female shall ye put out without the camp shall ye put them, that they defile not their camps in the midst whereof I dwell. And the children of Israel did so and put them out, with, put them out without the camp. And the Lord spake unto Moses, so did the children of Israel. The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, When a man or woman shall commit any sin that men commit to do a trespass against the Lord, and that person be guilty, they shall confess their sin which they have done, and he shall recompense his trespass with the principle thereof, and add unto it the fifth part thereof, and give it unto him against whom he hath trespassed. 
But if the man has no kinsman to recompense the trespass unto, let the trespass be recompensed unto the Lord, even to the priest, beside the ram of atonement, whereby an atonement shall be made for him. And every offering of all the holy things of the children of Israel, which they bring up unto the priest, shall be his. And every man's hallowed thing shall be his. Whatsoever any man giveth the priest, it shall be his. Now, I've heard a lot of preachers over the years point to this and say that, you know, uh, Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. And because Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice, that men didn't have to do these kind of things anymore. Uh, that they no longer had to sacrifice anything or give up anything other than just accepting Jesus. Um, so that's interesting right there uh, how he talks about they have to, c- to confess their sin they have done and then recompense uh, their trespass. Um, that is a lot of, you know, that, that's definitely an Old Testament belief. And one of the things that I've always found uh, interesting about the Bible is how that, you know, they will tell you that Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice. They will tell you that because he's the ultimate sacrifice, that everything written back here don't really count anymore. But then they always love to cherry pick out the parts uh, that they want to use for the Old Testament. There's still a whole lot of Old Testament scripture that they hang on to real hard. And I have literally seen them in the same chapter uh, condemn one thing and condone another. And I know you're probably thinking it because <laughs> it's right there. It's the elephant in the room. But we all know that they love to go back and pick on uh, homosexuals and say that the Bible says two men ought not lay together. And if you say to them, well, it also says that I shouldn't have tattoos right in the same book, sometimes the same chapter, they'll say, oh, well, those were the old laws. These are the new. So right there, folks, you catch their hypocrisy right there. You catch their cherry picking. And I'm sure they would accuse me of cherry picking what I'm doing here on this episode. Maybe we're all guilty to some degree of cherry picking. But my point is... Who would you rather have cherry pick something? Would you rather have me cherry pick this? What me and Lisa have cherry picked this out to talk about? Would you rather us talk about this and try to make some sense out of it and try to bring it to light and show it for what it really is? Or would you rather have someone cherry pick out a bunch of random verses to create a narrative to control a certain group of people or to discriminate against a certain group of people or to condone hatred toward a certain group of people or to condone stripping away women's rights, for example? And I believe that what I'm about to read uh, in the hands of a lot of these far right wing uh, nut jobs uh could be a very dangerous passage. And I always go back to that. I always go back to this idea that no matter whether you believe this is the word of God or not, let's say you do believe it's the word of God. Let's say that you wholeheartedly believe everything I'm about to read to you comes straight from God's mouth. Don't you? Would, would, could you not see that what I'm about to read to you could be dangerous in the hands of the wrong person? Could be dangerous in the hands of a person who is out to steal people's money, who is out to get rich off something, like these Kenneth Copeland, Joel Osteen folks that just love to just rake in the cash. Could you see that these words in the hands of those people could be bad? And then you go back to the idea that, well, these these are these words were written by men. God didn't take a pen and write this down. If you believe this is the word of God, you're believing it because somebody told you that that they talked to God. So it's all a matter of faith if you believe in it at all. And that's why people cherry pick it to death. But we're cherry picking it here for the right reasons because we're trying to show how this book has been used to manipulate and control people. And if this next passage doesn't show you what I'm talking about, I don't know if any other passage will. Uh, so here we go. This is well, Now we're getting down to the meat of why Lisa wanted me to break this uh, this particular passage down. 
Now, follow me. This this this, this is really out there, folks. If you've never read the Bible and I'm and you're just listening to me read this for the first time, you're you're going to be going, "What the hell?" And uh, and you're probably never going to read the book ever again. But uh, here we go. And the Lord spoken to Moses, saying, "Speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them." If any man's wife go aside and commit a trespass against him, and a man lie with her carnally, and it be hid from the eyes of her husband, and be kept close, and she be defiled, and there be no witness against her, neither she be taken with the manner, and the spirit of jealousy come upon him, and he be jealous of his wife, and she be defiled, or if the spirit of jealousy come upon him, and he be jealous of his wife, and she be not defiled. Then shall the man bring his wife unto the priest, and he shall bring her offering for her, the tenth part of ephah of barley meal. He shall pour no oil upon it, nor put frankincense thereof, for it is an offering of jealousy, an offering of memorial, bringing iniquity to remembrance. And the priest shall bring her near. And set her before the Lord, and the priest shall take holy water in the earthen vessel, and of the dust that is in the floor and the tabernacle, the priest shall take and put it into the water. And the priest shall set the woman before the Lord and uncover the woman's head, and put the offering of memorial in her hands, which is the jealousy offering. And the priest shall have in his hand the bitter water that causes the curse. And the priest shall charge her by an oath and say unto the woman, If no man has lain with thee, and if thou hast not gone aside to uncleanliness with another instead of thy husband, be thou free from the bitter water that causes the curse. But if thou hast gone aside from another instead of thy husband, and if thou have been defiled, and have some man has lain with thee beside thine husband, then the priest shall charge the woman with the oath of cursing. And the priest shall say unto the woman, The Lord make thee a curse and an oath among thy people, when the Lord doeth make thy thigh to rot and thy belly to swell. And this water has caused the curse, shall go into thy bowels to make thy belly to swell and thy thigh to rot. And the woman shall say, Amen, Amen. And the priest shall write these curses in a book, and he shall blot them out with bitter water. And he shall cause the woman to drink the bitter water that causes the curse. And the water that causeth the curse shall be enter into her and become bitter. Then the priest shall take the jealousy offering of the woman's hand and shall wave the offering before the Lord and offer it up upon the altar. And the priest shall take a handful of the offering, even the memorial thereof, and burn it upon the altar, and afterwards shall cause the woman to drink the water. And when he hath made her to drink the water, then it shall come to pass that if she she be defiled, and has done trespass against her husband, that the water that causes the curse shall enter into her and become bitter, and her belly shall swell, and her thigh shall rot, and the woman shall be a curse among her people." And if the woman be not defiled, be, but be clean, then she shall be free and shall conceive seed. This is the law of jealousies. When a wife goeth aside to another instead of her husband and is defiled, or when the spirit of jealousy cometh upon him, 
And he be jealous over his wife and shall set the woman before the Lord and the priest shall execute her upon all this law. Then shall the man be guiltless from iniquity and the woman bear her iniquity. Folks, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta pause just for a second here before I go on with that flaming pile of shit we just read. Yeah, folks, I had to crack open a beer after reading that. I literally paused my uh, recorder. I got a beer out of the refrigerator and decided to uh, have a swig before we keep going. Because that was hard to read. Thanks, Lisa. (laughs) Uh, Normally, for those of you that have listened to me do this in the past... What you normally hear is as I read, I stop at each verse and I kind of break it down to keep moving. I stop and break it down. I read a few, I stop and break it down. As I got to reading that, it's been a long time since I read it. And as I got to reading that, I forgot just how awful it is. So that's why I kept going because I wanted you to hear the entire thing without me pausing and kind of, well, I started to say corrupting it, but it's already corrupt. But I didn't want to take the attention away from just how bad it is. When you read it out loud. So many people say there's so many good heartwarming stories in the Bible. There's so much good stuff in there. Uh, there might be some from time to time. But there's also a lot of, of uh, just just horrid shit. And and if, if that doesn't fall under the category of horrid shit. I don't know what does. So now I'm going to back up. Now that I've got me a swig of beer here. And kind of recouped from that. Now I'm going to try to dive in. And we'll break it down as we go. Because... Folks, I always go back to this. <laughs> this book was written by men to control men and to control women. And, to con- and, and it, was, it, was, it was put in place for powerful people to keep control of society. I, I truly believe that. Um, because no reasonable person in the 21st century would ever buy into what I just read. No reasonable person would. I've heard so many preachers over the years say things like, the Bible, the Word of God is the same today, yesterday, and the day after. You know, it's always the same. Like Brett Titman Harlan, the best there is, best there was, best there ever will be. It's like they always try to act like that whatever was written all these thousands of years ago still applies today. And that's absolute bullshit. Folks, do you realize that things that we said five years ago necessarily ain't something we should be saying today? Do you realize things that we might have said last week we might not should be saying today? Look what, look how much we've learned over the years. There are things that I was saying, I'll own it. There's things I was saying when I was a kid that I heard my grandpa say and I heard my uncle say and I heard kids at school say. There's jokes I laughed at. There's, there's jokes that I retold uh, that as I grew, I realized, oh, wait, you ain't supposed to be making that joke. I figured that out between the late 80s and the year 2023. So you're going to tell me that the word of God, these words written by these men who didn't know where the sun went at night, these words are going should still hold up today. No reasonable person would think that. And anybody who thinks it, anybody who pulls to this and says, we need to read from Numbers chapter 5 today and tell our church this, they're doing it to keep control over the women. They're doing it to keep, to keep themselves in power and in charge. How many of these preachers, how many of these evangelists do you see when you're scrolling TikTok or you're scrolling Facebook or you're riding down the road if you're listening to your radio in your car and you stumble across some Sunday uh, service from some preacher? 
How many friends of yours have sent you these terrible clips of them up there just saying the most ridiculous things ever? And what is it always? It's some middle-aged or old white dude every time. Nine out of ten times, it's an older or a middle-aged white dude up there ranting about things he can't understand. Just like these men couldn't understand all those years ago, these men can't understand today. So what do they do? Rather than go to people who do understand and try to enlighten themselves, or should I dare say become woke to anything, they want to latch on to these ridiculous words written all those thousands of years ago. And by the way, these words have been edited more than any other book. You would think along the way, as they wrote this down, they would have edited it and said, let's get rid of that. I, you know, I, I, I would imagine that if I was over the, one of the scribes that sat down with this, I'd go, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if we should really include, do we really have to tell they did this? Is this really the word of God? So, I mean, it's baffling to me that people would say it's the same yesterday, today, and forever. No, no, it's it's not. It, it was bad then, it's bad now, and it'll be bad 10 years from now. It'll be bad 100 years from now. 100 years from now, if somebody pulls up this very podcast episode and tries to break down everything Tennessee Brando ever said, and if they lay waste to everything I ever said, this will still be a flaming palace yet. Okay? It, that, that won't change. That, that, it was bad when it was written, it was bad the next day, and it's bad two thousand years later, or however long it was. It's it's it. This is this is bad, Gary. It's really bad, and that's an inside joke. I'll have to tell you that story later. The it's bad, Gary. That'll have to come later because that's a that's a hilarious story. But anyway, um, let's start back. Let's start back here and try to break this down. Another swig of beer. Sorry. So the Lord told Moses. Speak to the children of Israel and say to them that if any man's wife go aside and commit a trespass against him. And basically what he's saying here is if another man lies with her carnally and it be hid from the eyes of her husband and be kept close uh, and she be defiled and there be no witness against her, neither she be taken with the manner. But I'm all, this baffles me right here. Now, now notice this. Notice about that verse. If the woman cheats on her husband with another guy, she is 100% to blame here. It's all her fault. The guy that she slept with, they don't say anything about what should happen to him. There, there's nothing wrong with him. The, the random sheep herder down the street that ended up taking her, they never say nothing that he has to do. There, there's not one word mentioned about what, and to the guy that fucked her, this has to happen. They don't say that part. They, they completely leave that out. And that's very convenient. But, but I'm I'm really, you know, it says that God is a jealous God. I've always thought that was hilarious that God suffered a petty human emotion that I've saw people get over in their lifetime. But it's funny how they word this and the spirit of jealousy come upon him. So my question here is, if this woman went and slept with the guy and he didn't get jealous, then is that Okay. I mean, is that what he's saying? Because it's like, now if the spirit, if he gets jealous about this, if this upsets him, then then, then let's do this next uh, bunch of stuff. Uh, if Or if the spirit of jealousy come upon him and he be jealous of his wife, that's basically what it is. Then shall the man bring his wife unto the priest and he shall bring her an offering to her. Uh, now what it goes on basically here to say, folks, is that they're going to bring this vessel of holy water. And they're going to have her drink the holy water. And if she's if she's innocent, if she's innocent, then she nothing's going to happen to her. 
but if she's defiled, it's going to eat away at her stomach lining. Do you realize how warped this is? Because I can assure you that if they do this to the water, no matter what, no matter whether the woman's interested or not, when she drinks that water, she's absolutely screwed. Okay, if if you went out here like these snake handling preachers do, and you got a you you took a, a swig of battery acid, I'm sorry, but it doesn't matter whether you believed or didn't believe. The minute you take the battery acid into your uh, esophagus, you're going to be pretty much screwed. So this idea that well we're going to let her drink this, we'll see if she's guilty or not. It's 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 so harebrained to me that people ever actually thought this was an idea. But the priest shall set the woman before the Lord, uncover her head, put the offering of memorial in her hands, which is the jealousy offering. And the priest shall have in his hand the bitter water that causeth the curse. The priest shall charge her by an oath and say unto the woman, If no man hath lain with thee, and if thou have not gone aside from the uncleanliness with another instead of thy husband, be thou hit, be thou free from the bitter water that causes the curse. But I imagine that if a woman is there, if a woman is there in front of these men, anybody going to believe her if she says they're lying? Is anybody going to believe her if she says, hey, guys, they made this up. I never done no such thing. We're, they're saying that if the spirit of jealousy comes over somebody, then let's take this woman and put her on trial. Do you realize how many relationships today we would be going to trial over if every time a guy got jealous? I know guys that gets jealous over their women. Very extreme, okay? I work in a medical uh, facility. It's a, it's a factory where we, we, we work, we, we handle medical supplies. And the majority of people that, that are employed around me are women. And there are girls there, uh, women there, that, um, that, that, don't wear tight pants to work and they don't wear much makeup to work and they look as plain Jane as they can. And do you know why? Because some Bubba at home is jealous of her, afraid I might take a peek at her. So can you imagine if this, if this, if this law had stayed in effect and we were doing this, everybody I work with would have their wife coming up before this priest and coming up before the Lord because there are people, I, I actually, I just kind of heard this story from a, from, from afar. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't talk to these people, but I just overheard the story one day while I was eating. There was a girl that we worked, that worked with us, pretty girl. And they were talking about how that her husband always called her fat. And this girl was not fat folks. This girl, this girl was beautiful, but she had absolutely no makeup on. Uh, and she was wearing like loose fitting jogging pants, um, and like a flannel shirt. And she walked with her head down and everybody said that her husband was mean to her. That's what everybody said. Everybody that knew her in this small town said, man, this, this girl's you know, husband treats her like crap. He's real jealous of her. He won't let her dress up, but you should see her dressed up. You should see what she looks like. So this guy's got this, th that bad of a jealous bone. So if the spirit of jealousy comes over a guy, if, if, if the spirit of jealousy just, just enters into him, then let him bring this woman up. <laughs> that, that's so ridiculous. The, the, first of all, I don't think that people should let the spirit of jealousy overtake them. That's a ridiculous idea. But that just opens the door. Now, every woman that a guy suspects is doing something is going to be taken up before the priest. Um, but if that, now he goes on here to say, then the priest shall charge the woman with the, with an earth of curse, with an oath of cursing. And the priest shall say unto the woman, the Lord make thee a curse and an oath among thy people. When the Lord doeth, Make thy thigh to rot and thy belly to swell, 
This water that causeth the curse shall go into thy bowels and make thy belly swell and thy thigh to rot. And the woman shall say, Amen, Amen. So in other words, girls, just keep your mouth shut and drink this stuff that they're giving you. And uh, it's going to rot your belly and your thigh out. And you're pretty much going to die because that's, that's basically what it goes on to say at the end. But uh, all because this dude got jealous of you. All because the spirit of jealousy. Now, the Bible always talks about unclean spirits. Don't let your body be overtaken by unclean spirits. Wouldn't jealousy be an unclean spirit? Wouldn't that be something you shouldn't succumb to, is jealousy? Shouldn't that be something that, that you shouldn't let? But okay, here the guy is. He's jealous. Took his wife up, and now she's drinking this stuff. And the priest shall write these curses in a book and shall blot them out with the bitter water. He shall cause the woman to drink the bitter water that causeth the curse, and the water that causeth the curse shall enter into her and become bitter. Then the priest shall take the jealousy offering of, out of the woman's hand and shall weigh the offering before the Lord. Now the Lord's there. Does anybody besides me have a problem with the fact that an almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing being is sitting there watching this and ain't interfering? Does anybody out there ever stop to ask that? Oh, God's just sitting back. God's just sitting back watching this. He's watching these men put this woman on trial because they got jealous of her. Yeah, actually, they say just if the spirit of jealousy comes into her, comes 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 into them, then then by all means let it, let this happen. And God's just sitting back watching. There's a lot of people. I have family members that I know are highly offended at my beliefs and highly offended at my podcast and highly offended at my social media presence. Most of my cousins have either deleted or blocked me or hid me from their newsfeed. And if Mamaw was here, they'd be going to her every day saying, Lord, Mamaw, you'll never believe what Brando's saying now. Um, but this is, um, <laughs> this is, uh, they would be saying to me, oh my God, you know, Brandon's sitting there, he's doing a podcast, he's making a podcast, he's having a Miller High Life while he's doing it. He's bastardizing the word of God. Listen, if anybody out there hears this podcast and is offended by the fact that I have read the Bible, that I have used profanity, and that I have drank a Miller High Life while I did it, uh, you should be more offended by the fact that this this is supposed to happen and that the God you worship is sitting back watching this poor woman go through this all because some dude got jealous. And going back again, the guy that she cheated on him with, he ain't even on trial. I guess he, he got a clean... So it'd be cool if you... I mean, I guess from their perspective back in those days, I mean, if he was that guy... You you could say then you could be like well hey I can, I can sleep with any married woman here I ain't going nothing's going to happen to me, it's just going to happen to to the woman so, is that not one of the most misogynistic? Uh, I mean I don't know what else is folks, but we go I'll jump ahead a little bit here. So you know and the priest shall take a handful of the offering and a memorial thereof and burn it upon the altar. They always got to burn something on an altar. But, uh, and if the woman be not defiled, but be clean, then she shall be free and, and shall conceive seed. I'm glad I came back to that because that jumped out at me. Okay, now, if you're clean and if you didn't do nothing and if you didn't cheat on your husband, then you got to bear his child. Yep, you, you got to conceive. Doesn't matter if you didn't really want to have one or not. Doesn't matter if you've already had too many. Doesn't matter if your body can't handle another one. Uh, doesn't matter. The spirit of jealousy entered into this dude, and now you've been found clean, but I, I know that, but you, you still got to now have his child. 
Again, this kind of language in the hands of the right-wing MAGA nut jobs is why we're in the boat we're in. When people says, well, I can't believe Roe v. Wade got overturned. I can because people bought into shit like this and they passed it off as the word of God and they handed it down and handed it down and handed it down and these people kept believing it. And you know why men kept believing this? Walk up. They, they kept believing this because they, they, they can use it to justify controlling women. Walk up to any guy that's my age, okay? I'm, I'll, be, I'll turn 43 on May the 9th, all right? Ask anybody that grew up in the 1980s watching professional wrestling if we still think it's real. And all of us will say, no, nah, we've kind of figured out early on that was just for entertainment. We all figured out kind of early on that Andre the Giant assisted Hulk Hogan in that body slam. Uh, we all kind of figured early on that The Undertaker really wasn't the dead man. We learned early on that, that Ric Flair bladed himself and he wasn't really busted open from hitting the turnbuckle pole. He cut his own self. Most 43-year-old men would admit that they now realize that pro wrestling is a staged event. But Ron DeSantis, he's still latching on to this shit. Oh, this is gospel truth right here. And it's gospel truth because it allows him to pass fascist bullshit. It allows them to pass laws that strips away rights from your daughter, from your granddaughter, from your sister, from your cousin, from your next-door neighbor. Your mother, if you're my, my mother, when she conceived me in 1979, had more rights in 1979 than my daughter has in 2023. How fucked up is that? But for all that says, well, we can't believe these laws ever got passed. Uh, well, it did because people held on to stuff like this. And people were groomed from the time they were little kids to believe that this was the word of God. Don't ever question it. So if we say that abortion is illegal and we turn to this, then you have to believe it. It's all about control, folks. They can tell you whatever they want to tell you. And there's ministers out there who would annihilate everything I've just said. And believe it or not, I listen to several ministers still. I listen to some that, are, that I think are probably decent people at heart. I listen to some who's kind of progressive. I listen to some who's batshit insane. I still hear what they have to say. And even the ones that's slightly progressive would probably still say that everything I'm saying, I'm, I'm really going about it the wrong way. But these words have been handed down and people latches on to them and they still believe in it because it, it helps them. Because it works to their advantage. Because it fits in with their political agenda. No, none of them still believes wrestling is real. None of them still believes that Kermit the Frog was real. Nobody still believes in the A-team. Okay, but they believe in this shit because, because, because it allows them to further their political agenda. But yeah, if, if, so if you, if, now, no, no matter what, whether you're guilty or not, whether you're guilty or not, you got to conceive after this. You got to bear our child. And I'm sure they'll go on to say something that don't necessarily say it here, but I'm sure, and his name shall be this. That always cracked me up. Like, like like God reached down and said, you must bear this asshole's child and name him whatever, you know. And if you don't, then it, I mean, if you don't give him that name, I mean, it's got to be that name because we're, we're, we're creating a story here. So ridiculous. I'm sorry. Actually, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not one bit sorry for this. Um, but yeah, this is the law of jealousy. It's when a wife goeth aside from another instead of her husband and is defiled. Or when the spirit of, or not, not, not necessarily, or when the spirit of jealousy cometh upon him and he be jealous over his wife and he shall set the woman before the Lord and the priest shall execute her upon the law. 
Then shall the man be guiltless from iniquity, and the woman shall bear her iniquity. So the man is guiltless. That much we've figured out, folks. We have figured out that the man is guiltless. He can have a moment of jealousy, a moment of rage, take this woman up before the priest, have her drink some dirty water, have her bowels rot out, have her thigh rot off, and uh, and then and if she survives it, she's got to bury his child. And if and and if not, uh, he is completely guiltless, and she's completely guilty. And folks, if you just look at it from 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 a from a from the carnal mind, which is what we were born with, we weren't born with the spiritual mind they preach of is one that they groomed us to believe. And I keep using the word groom just because they love to use it so much. The spiritual mind is the as they call it. And I I make quotation marks in there, and you guys can't see me. But the but the spiritual quotation marks in the air, the spiritual mind that they talk about is the mind that they're grooming you to believe in. The, 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 the carnal mind is just the voice of reason. It's, I mean, when they say you're thinking in the flesh, no, I'm not. It's not I'm, I'm thinking as a sensible adult who was given the brain I've been given. And you're telling me this, you've read me this ridiculous story. Now, to the ministers out there, and to the Christians who would still believe in that story and still say, well, you know, I know it's the word of God. I mean, we just, we just sometimes got to believe it. I mean, I know it's a little bit crazy, but man, it's just how things were back then. Okay. Would you be okay with your daughter going through that? If her husband that you really don't like when he comes over on Thanksgiving, you know, if, okay. So let, let's say that you're, let, okay. Let, let's just paint a real good picture for y'all here. Let's say that you are a white, conservative, middle-aged dude, and you have a young uh, white daughter. And let's say let's say you're conservative and you vote Republican and you got a Trump sticker on your truck, Trump flagging on, on your boat, and you got a Trump cardboard cutout in the corner of your house. And, yeah, okay, and, you're, and your Facebook profile picture is Trump 2024. Let's bring you back one more time. You're that guy. And let's just say that for whatever reason, your daughter decides to go out and marry up with a liberal. Let's say she marries Brando. Okay. Let, let's say, let's say that your daughter uh, goes out here and she just comes out to one of my shows one night and my bandana gets to her. And the next thing you know, she's bringing me home. <laughs> okay. Now you meet me and, I, and she says, Brando here makes music and Brando here does, he does uh, political commentary on Facebook, dad. He does political commentary on TikTok and has a podcast. Go check it out, dad. <laughs> okay. Now, if old dad goes and listens to what Brando's got to say and doesn't like it, obviously, hates every word that's coming out of my mouth, then would he be okay with me saying, hey, I'm jealous of her. I think she might have cheated on me. Let's make her drink some battery acid real fast. And if it kills her, it kills her. And if it don't, then I'm going to knock her up. And let's see how, let's see if he would be willing to go along with that if I presented it to him. That's how ridiculous this is, folks. This whole thing is so ridiculous. These, these stories are absolutely ridiculous. And people believe them that they're the word of God, and people will tell me that I should never question it. And one of, I will say this probably every time we break down a book. Somewhere, somebody is going to say, Brandon, you better be careful when we talk about the word of God. Brandon, you better be careful, buddy, when you talk about the Bible. Brandon, you better be careful when you talk about a preacher. I, at no point during this podcast, talked about the Word of God. Because if there is something out there in the universe greater than us, I will pull from the Bible here for a minute. 
then surely goodness and mercy will follow us. I mean, if, 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 folks, if there's not goodness and mercy on the other side, if there's not a loving father, if there's, if, if that, I mean, if, if that's not out there, if this, if this being from this book is what's in control of the universe, do you realize how screwed we all are? Because the only way that that being could correct this horrid mistake that I just read you was to send his own son to die to protect you from his wrath. That's the only way he could correct that. He had to slaughter his own kid to prove that he didn't mean to be a jerk in Numbers chapter 5. <sighs> you know, I'll tell a story before we close. It was the late 90s. I used to mow my grandmother's grass. Uh, my mom off Houston. I mowed her grass every, 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 every week. Me and my cousin did. And I, lo I loved her. I still love her. I always will. We definitely had our moments. We definitely rubbed each other the wrong way. And I'm sure this podcast would have rubbed her the wrong way. But uh, one day we were sitting on the porch. And I may have told a story before, but it's worth hearing for the newcomers. Got done mowing her grass and she would always bring me out a cold Coca-Cola and some Almond Joy candy bars. And to this day, I will drink a Coca-Cola and, and eat some Almond Joys and think about those days sitting on the porch with my grandmother. But she said to me one day, she said, you know what, Brandon? She said, you know the Bible better than anybody I've ever met. Now, at this point, I'm like 17 or 18 years old. That's really saying something, considering she's been going to church since she was a little kid and she's in her 80s. But she's like, you know, you, you, uh, you, you know the Bible better than anybody I've ever known and better than most preachers I sit under. She's saying that again to a teenage kid. Oh, she probably was in her 70s at this point, but just play along. <laughs> and she said, uh, you know, she said, uh, uh, she named one of my cousins. She said her husband, he become a preacher and done real good at it. And he don't know near as much as you do. She said, you know what they did? She said, they, they put him up in the nicest house you ever seen. They get, got him a new car. She said, the church pays all of his bills. All he has to do is preach and the church pays for everything. He don't have to do nothing. That's his job. And she said, you know, she said, you know more than him. She said, so you know what? And back then I, had, I was starting to grow my hair out. She said, you know, if you cut your hair and uh, get cleaned up and just go in, go down there and get in on that deal. That's how she said it. Get in on that deal. Then you can make just as much money as him. You probably make more than him because you're, you're a better speaker than he is. You know the book better. She said, so I really believe that if you would put your mind to it and just listen for the Lord to call you. I said, well, Mama, I said, don't you have to be called to do that? She said, well, if you'll listen for the Lord, he'll call you. If you'll listen in. Okay. I sat there for a minute. She said, she said, you could make a whole lot of money doing that. I said, Mama, I don't know if you know this or not. I said, but there's a whole lot of verses of Scripture in, this, in the Bible that talks about people who do it for that reason and where they go when they die. Uh, I said, Jesus frowned upon that. <laughs> I don't know if you know this or not, but the only act of violence he ever did in his life was when he threw the money changers out of the temple. So I don't necessarily think that he would appreciate me doing it for the money and doing it for that reason. She said, well, I didn't necessarily mean for the money, but I'm just saying you could have a good life. She said, because you're, you know, you're, you're out here going to try to play music and and, you know, and you're going to go down a road, you know, and you're going to get involved. You, you know, you might get into drugs. You might get into some loose women and all these things. And that ain't going to be good. She's like, you know, I, she said, the church will find you a girlfriend. They'll find you a wife. I heard her out. And I said, no, ma'am, oh, I'm, I'm not going to do that. And I went on to become a, for about, good Lord. I mean, I, 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 I mean, I literally played music from 1990. I'm still playing music to this day. I'm just doing it now in a different way. But like 
from 1999 through just a few years ago, I was out here guzzling of whiskey and every bar around and, uh, and, and, and living it up, you know, for all these years. Uh, and I can tell you this much, if I could have went back on that front porch and walked off that porch and went over here and become that minister or walked over here and become who I am today, I'd do it all the same way all over again. There's no way in hell that I would have did that for that reason because I loathe the people that do it for that reason. And I loathe the people that have kept this kind of belief system in place all these years. So I didn't become the preacher that my grandmother wanted me to be. And I didn't just read to you from the book of Numbers the way she would have liked for me to read it to you. But somewhere I really believe that her wish did come true and that I am trying to tell the truth. I'm going to close with this. I won't name his name, but a really good friend of mine who I looked up to from the time I was a kid, he was an older man. I looked up to him from the time I was a little kid. He told me one time, he said, Brandon, he said, I don't agree with you on everything you say. He said, I don't agree with all your beliefs. He said, but the music you write is gospel. It's gospel music. And I said, how do you figure? He said, because the word gospel means truth. It's the gospel truth. And what you're saying is true. He said, so you are preaching the gospel, whether anybody realizes it or not. And I'm not necessarily saying that I am right on this. Uh, this I want to drive that point home. I'm not saying I am a minister that I just preach the gospel to you. But I want to thank my good friend for saying that to me. We lost him last year, but uh, I want to thank him for saying that to me because it's kept me going all these years. I believe that we have to stand up and fight the good fight, and we do so by tearing down these ridiculous institutions that was given to us and handed down to us for all these years. These ridiculous ideas that have been handed down to us all these years cannot continue to stand. Somebody's got to call it out. Somebody's got to point out how wrong it was. And I want to say special thanks to Lisa for asking me to do this episode because it needed to be said. Folks, continue to send those emails, continue to send those requests, and I'll keep getting them out there to you because I love doing this, I love breaking this down, and I love exposing that hypocrisy. Hope you enjoyed this episode. I had a damn good time making it. Send me those requests and we'll make some more. And until next time, you just heard what these hills can say if they could talk. And I'm Tennessee Brando, and I hope you guys have a great weekend.